Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast, changing a culture one man at a time. At Men of Iron, we equip men and grow godly leaders through creating and sustaining one-to-one and micro-group mentorships. Go to menofiron.org for more info. Thanks for listening. If he survived labor delivery, he would live minutes to hours at best. Um, and so, I mean, we just in that doctor's office were just wrecked, like just absolutely destroyed in that moment. I mean, we fell apart. I don't even know how long we were weeping in that, that doctor's office, but just a mess. Um, and to have in a couple hours that excitement, that joy of learning we were going to be having a son, and then just a couple hours later, we, would ha- we had to come to grips that we were going to lose him. Welcome to the Men of Iron podcast. It's Steve and Justin live from the Men of Iron headquarters, J-Dub. What's going on? Good morning, Steve. Good morning to you. I always, I always miss you when you're gone. You know, you missed the last podcast with Reggie. I know. It's been a, I feel like it's been a few podcasts that I've missed. It's good to be back You on. shouldn't do that anymore. I'll try. I have to bring this up, although this was probably two weeks ago, but we had a podcast uh, that we had to reschedule, and I had a great intro to talk about because it was Be Nice to Jersey Week. And now that we got two Jersey <laughs> boys on the yeah, show, yeah. I feel like i got to bring it up. That's kind of that's kind of bad that we need to be nice to Jersey Week though. What's going on with that? I mean, it's Jersey's get Jersey gets beat up all the time. Like it's, we can handle it though. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, I've started to learn that when, when I got into college because I went to college at Messiah College in, in Pennsylvania. It's the first time I realized how many people hated New Jersey. <laughs> I didn't had no idea that it was such uh, just for no reason. Yeah, I mean the Jersey Shore show didn't help. <laughs> but no one likes that. That did not help you guys at all. Well, the the Jersey Shore itself is actually a beautiful area. So, so anyway, it was be nice to Jersey Week. So we're gonna be nice to you today, anyway. If that's all right with you. That's good. I'll take that. <laughs> Episode forty-one is brought to you by Friends of Angels. Friends of Angels exists to help grieving parents navigate the devastating journey of child loss through the Catherine Francis Leho Burial Fund. They provide financial assistance for families with unforeseen expenses during this difficult time and go to friendsofangelspa.org for more information and if you'd like to be a sponsor for the men of iron podcast check out the link at menofiron.org backslash sponsor for more information we would love to introduce our featured guest today clint watkins clint is a disciple a teacher a father to eli and a husband to jillian he is on staff with disciple makers a christian campus ministry serving on secular campuses he primarily works with thaddeus stevens college in lancaster pa he is the writer writer of Frail Father at frailfather.com. Clint, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What's going on? Not much. It's you cool uh, being here. you know this guy next to you here. Unfortunately <laughs> and fortunately. Do we look and sound alike? I feel like the video was is going to be, you know, you're going to watch the video and be like, "Oh, I think they're related." I wonder if you're listening and you're going, I, who's talking?" <laughs> Which guy? Is, is does this guy have split personalities? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, just for uh, clarification there, Clint is our dear friend and co-worker, the Silver Fox, Justin Watkins' brother, so we're excited to have Clint on the show here, and Justin co-hosting as well. It's a family affair. That's right, Jersey boys. Jersey boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Clint, just tell the listeners and viewers just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, grew up in Jersey. We grew up here in the gospel. Our dad was also our youth pastor, uh, so um, yeah heard the, the gospel preached in, uh, from an early age. I think my whole life, I would have said I, I love Jesus and wanted to follow him, but especially in high school, I started you know, behind closed doors, running away from him, 
pursuing girls, parties, popularity, stuff like that. Um, despite you know my inf the influence of my parents and older brothers, uh, so I chose a college. You know, Justin mentioned he went to Messiah. Um, that was one of the reasons why I chose where I went to school because both Justin and our other brother Luke went to Christian schools, and I said. I'm not joining the family business of ministry. <laughs> I'm going to go to a secular college um, and, you know, get away from ministry and hopefully Jesus. But uh, the ministry I now work for, Disciple Makers, was on campus. Um, and that's what God used to kind of hunt mm. me down and, and recapture me when I was at school. Um, basically through these guys who loved me enough to call me out on my crap and show me the grace and, and truth of the gospel. Um, I mean, there's a lot in there, but now I work for Disciple Makers because I want to see that same transformation happen. And actually, Justin is to blame for two major, major decisions of my life. Oh, boy. <laughs> Disciple Makers, because on move-in day in my freshman year, he was uh, helping me move in, and he noticed a poster on the wall about, like, the Christian Fellowship, and he was like, hey, you should go check that out. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> day one, and I'm not even getting, you know, getting away. And then two, him and Jenna played matchmaker for me and Jillian. Wow. So I don't think that I was knew that. <laughs> the okay. most important decision in my life was, you know, marrying Jillian. Uh, so they're the ones who, who uh, were a part of that. I feel like it's it's important to note that Jillian is Clint uh, is is Jenna's cousin. Hmm. So we are we've jokingly said that we're double double related. <laughs> so we're brothers, and we're also like. What, second cousin-in-laws or something like that? Wow. Something so, weird and sounds like a reality TV show. Yeah, it's not illegal or, or like actually <laughs> weird, but... Well, it is Lancaster County, so yeah. that makes sense. Even though you guys are Jersey boys. <laughs> All right, Clint, we're going to hit you with some take five if you're ready for it. I'm not ready. Off the cuff is what gets me in trouble. <laughs> well, we got some good ones on here. All right, take five, question number one. What album or song have you had on repeat lately? Ooh, what album or song? Uh, over the past year, and we'll talk more about this, there's a song called A Prayer by King's Kaleidoscope. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's a pretty intense lament song. Um, I was actually listening to that on my way over. Um, and yeah, it's not, <laughs> when you first listen to it, it doesn't sound good and it's pretty unsettling, but it's been one of my most favorite songs hmm. because of that, so. Awesome. Take five, question number two. Give us your best Justin Watkins story. This Ooh. should be embarrassing, or funny at least. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> there are so many. I know. <laughs> hey, we got time. Podcast. Yeah, we got time. <laughs> I, got, I got two embarrassing ones. They're both pretty quick. One is, I don't know when it was, but we found some uh, homemade video back in the day of Justin singing into a camera wow. and spinning around. And I think it was the song. Um, it was a slick shoes, slick shoes song. Do your feet hurt? Or maybe it was NMXPX. Either way, it was Christian Do punk. Do your feet hurt? Yep. Can we get a clip of this for the podcast? I, I'll try. It's on VHS. <laughs> no, you can sing right now. So that was one. <laughs> the other one is I remember. I don't know where we were going, but I think you were actually driving me to school one day, and we were at a a stop sign, and all of a sudden. He stops, opens the door, and like kind of goes down to the ground with his hand and then closes the door. And I was like, what'd you just do? He's like, I was just wiping a booger on the ground. <laughs> Don't Are you sure that wasn't Luke? Yeah, it's just, it's, no, it was in your black neon. I was like, who does that? Who wipes their booger on the pavement while they're driving? So funny. That's good. Well, those were two good stories, man. I like it. All right, take five, question number three. 
Uh, what is one of your favorite hobbies and why? Oh, man. Yeah, my wife and I were just talking about how we don't really have too many hobbies. Our hobbies like hanging out with each other and hanging out with people. But I would say staying active and fit, uh, playing pickup basketball is probably my favorite hobby right now. Me and Justin play a couple times a week with some other guys because, you know, we played sports growing up. And, yeah. Does that count as a hobby? Oh, yeah. Pickup basketball. That's a good hobby. <laughs> Potential <All right>. career. <laughs> pickup basketball. D-League. Yeah. <laughs> All right, question number four. Favorite childhood memory? You already gave us a couple anyway with Justin, so. Favorite childhood memory? Man. <sighs> Putting him on the spot. Yeah. Seriously, I always blank with these. We need the questions. Jeopardy clock right now. To, <laughs> yeah. I'll put that what in later. Is, <laughs> um, I mean, it's hard to pick favorite, like, one-time memories. I think Just, one of the things I loved doing growing up is when uh, – we were still all around the house, like all, because we're, there's four boys, when we would just sit around the dinner table. And it wasn't crazy often because we were so active, but I just remember so many times, me and Tyler, especially being the younger ones, just laughing so hard we were crying because of, <laughs> I don't know, something ridiculous happening in our house. So, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Your mom is a saint for raising four <laughs> boys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all right, take five, question number five. Go to date night spot for you and Jillian. Hmm. We like going to a couple places in the city. Uh, we live in Lancaster City. I mean, like if it's like a fancy date night, there's a place called Luca. It's mm -hmm. like a great spot. Yeah, a really nice uh, Italian restaurant, like wood-fired pizza. Maybe if we shout them out enough, we can get some like gift cards yeah. or something. Yeah, Luca, would you sponsor a podcast, please? <laughs> <laughs> so that's one of our spots. We we don't have like <clears throat> one single favorite. We just love date night. Uh, awesome. We, yeah, just like spending time eating food and drinking coffee and yeah. Shout out Luca. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that was it. You survived. Take oh, five. That wasn't so bad. It was easy, man. I was nervous though. Should we talk a little bit more about Justin Watkins and some good stories now? <sighs> no, we'll move on. We'll move on. That's all right. All right, fine. Booger story's good, though. I, I know. I don't think I... It sounds like me. I just don't remember that. Yeah. And I didn't even talk about how you knocked out my, my two front teeth. Yeah. And stabbed me in the eye with a coat hook. Yeah. Wow. Got more fodder if we need to. Some of those were your fault. You were in the way, so... I chipped a tooth on my younger brother, too, so I don't know if it's a big brother <laughs> yeah. thing or what. Well, it must be. <laughs> awesome. Well, diving kind of into the into the heart of our, of our uh, podcast and interview, Clint, you know, obviously you and Jillian have, have walked through a trying season here mm -hmm. in the last year. Just kind of, you know, for the listeners and viewers who, who don't know the story and are hearing it for the first time, just share with us the story of, of you, Jillian, and Eli. Yeah. Um, so this time last year, actually, we were uh, pregnant with our first child. Um, so we found out last May, Jillian told me she was pregnant. And um, just even that alone was a pretty, I mean, it's a big step for every everyone, you know, um, pregnancy and, and having kids. But for us, it was big um, in the sense that Jillian was uh, pretty anxious about pregnancy. Like, she has some medical anxiety, and um, yeah, it was just a big step of faith for her in the first place. Um, but then also, we were stepping into pregnancy pretty um, guarded because um, we know people close to us who have had miscarriages and struggle with infertility. So we were just aware of complications that could happen. Um, and uh, Jillian was actually really sick during the first trimester. She lost weight during the first trimester. Um, and another kind of 
you know, data point with that is the first time our doctor tried to detect a heartbeat, he couldn't find it. So we were just really nervous and guarded the whole way through. Um, but still just growing excitement, you know, first time parents and, and all that. Um, and then uh, at the 18 week anatomy scan, when you find out the gender and all that, um, we went and everything seemed normal. We found out we were having a boy and, um, you know, that moment where kind of the future seems to be coming together and you can actually picture your family and I mean I remember the second the the nurse said that we were having a son like yeah the future kind of filled in with color a little bit um so everything seemed fine the heartbeat was strong and in hindsight if we had known what an 18 week baby should look like we would have known what the what the issue was but we walked home we were in the city at the hospital we walked home and uh one of the first things I did when I got home was start uh, writing a card to our friends to tell them that we were having a son. Hmm. Um, and in the middle of that, actually, our doctor's office called us to tell us to come in later that day. And we knew something was wrong. Like, um, we didn't know what it was, but we knew that something was bad and that um, they, they couldn't tell us. Like, we actually called back and asked them, like, hey, can you can you give us some information? They just, they just weren't willing to do that over the phone. And I remember, you know, we, we texted our family and friends and asked them to pray. And I remember talking to Justin, actually, he texted me, um, like how I was doing. And there was just this, this fear that I had never felt before where, uh, you know, you're aware that something horrible might be happening, but you have no idea what it is. And a couple hours later, we go to the doctor's office, um, and they tell us that our son had a rare and fatal condition called anencephaly. So during the third or fourth week, when his brain scalp and skull were supposed to form, they, it, it didn't um, do it like it was supposed to. And graciously, but pretty, pretty clearly, our doctor told us our son wasn't going to survive. But the, I think the what has been hardest about that reality is that everything else was fine. So his heartbeat was strong, you know, his, his toes and fingers would continue growing. He would survive in the womb, but um, if he survived labor and delivery, he would live minutes to hours at best. Um, and so, I mean, we just in that doctor's office were just wrecked, like just absolutely destroyed in that moment. I mean, we fell apart. I don't even know how long we were weeping in that, that doctor's office, but just a mess. Um, and f to have in a couple hours that excitement, that joy of learning we were going to be having a son, and then just a couple hours later, we, would ha we had to come to grips that we were going to lose him. Um, and making it even darker and even worse is our doctor said that we had the, the decision to terminate the pregnancy. Um, and that just put us in a place that we never thought we'd be. I mean, that, is, that first weekend was the darkest moments of my life. Um, not only grieving for uh, our, our first child already and anticipating that we would have to walk through this pregnancy knowing that he wouldn't come home with us, but then to have a choice in the matter, um, it, yeah, it just did something to our souls that um, is kind of hard to articulate. But we, we decided to continue the pregnancy and, and carry to term um, and just started limping, you know, is kind of how we describe it, limping along this line between life and loss and joy and sorrow because, you know, we love our son, we love Eli, but there's just so much pain and devastation knowing that we were going to, we're going to lose him. Like we, yeah, we, we knew that his birth and death 
were likely to be synonymous, like happen simultaneously. Um, and uh, so we, we started stumbling forward and, and walking forward with that. And he actually, um, or my, my wife's water broke on November 7th, so almost 10 weeks earlier than we expected. Um, and uh, he was born on November 8th. Um, and we don't know why, we don't know what caused the, um, the early pregnancy, but he was born on November 8th. And um, yeah, uh, he did not survive labor. So, um, you know, my, my greatest fear and the thing that I expected but also hoped against was uh, what my doctor said, what our doctor said, that there was no heartbeat when he was born. Um, and uh, yeah, that just brought in a whole other wave of devastation. Even though we, we knew that our son wasn't going to survive, there was just this trauma and agony with his birth and with his death. Um, and so since then, since that day, we've been you know, continuing to grieve and, um, and wrestle with the Lord and, and grieve together and figure out what, um, yeah, what family is, what parenting is when we are now childless parents currently. So, Yeah, if you're just tuning in to this podcast, it's mm-hmm. going to continue to be heavy. I think we, yeah, I, and, and we're going to get into this, whether it be this podcast or we have a second part to this, but I mean, we are all, if you are alive, you're, you're going to deal with loss um, in some way. Uh, that's the nature of a broken and sinful world that's not operating under God's complete control and design anymore. And, and, and I think one of the, the things that is so important is how, how do we lament, how do we grieve? Like if we all face, and everyone faces disappointments to some degree, but like the real heart-wrenching, soul-crushing loss, how do we walk through that? Uh, and there's a whole, you know, there's the theology of where's God's involvement, and that's that's its own topic, and um, you know that that messes with people too, and 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 how they process through suffering. You know, how can God allow this? Where is He at? And and that's its own that's could, its own can of worms, and that we could talk about. But I think what I've appreciated, and what we're excited to hear um, and and share with listeners, is how how do we walk through suffering authentically, uh, and how what is a, an acceptable approach to suffering and 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 supporting people who are suffering um and so that i feel like since then and this is kind of just my i mean this is one way that i think you and jillian have really honored eli is by continuing this conversation Mm -hmm. um and so we do have tissues here uh (laughs) and there will be tears um but I, i think maybe just to start off one question you you know you had this incredible decision to make this huge heavy decision um and and that's another really right. <laughs> especially in our culture now this is like a huge topic is mm-hmm. is, is 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 termination of, of of life and abortion and and you know, women's decision and and, and mm-hmm. in some ways like i could make an argument to say that you had a legitimate reason to consider that right you know like from from the outside Someone would say, mm-hmm. well, Depending you know, who you ask. right, right. You know what's going to happen. Tell us about the process and your decision to carry Eli to term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was impossible. <laughs> um, I mean, seriously, I, the word that we use to describe it is paralyzed. Like, 
I mean, paralyzed by the grief, just the sheer shock and, and, and pain of what I just explained, that we knew that our, we were gonna lose our first child before he was even born. But then the, the idea of a decision, that we had a choice in the matter, or the way we were kind of wrestling it is, do we have a choice in the matter? Um, and I think, you know, of course, that, that night when we got home, we were researching and reading and trying to figure out more about this, this condition we never heard of, but then also what do people do? And um, you know, we were reading stories of other Christian couples who would, would share, you know, like immediately in the doctor's office, they knew that they, they would never terminate the pregnancy. Um, and I don't know, it was almost as if like the strength, their strength made us feel weaker. Hmm. And, and that almost added more guilt to the situation. Like what kind of Christians are we that we don't feel that way? Um, and it, yeah, I mean, just to explain a little bit more, um, you know, miscarriage is the thing that we were fearing in pregnancy. And in those first moments, that is what we were now hoping for because it took the, the decision off the table, as dark as that sounds. Um, but the idea of a choice just haunted us so deeply. Um, and then it also put us in a position where we were almost questioning ourselves and questioning who we were, um, that we were in this position to even be considering it. Um, and yeah, I think especially because of how dark the road ahead felt in terms of Jillian would have to go through all of the things of pregnancy um, you know, growing a child inside and dealing with comments from strangers and, and um, the excitement of strangers who didn't know our situation and also like the sadness of people who did know. And she'd have to go through all of her body changes before and after pregnancy, go through the pain of delivery only to end in not more joy, but more devastation. That just felt so unbelievably impossible to, to step into. And so I think we were paralyzed by that, but but that is what kind of made us wrestle. Um, and we just needed help. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of got our bearings, kept weeping that first weekend, and we went to our friends, Joel and Jen, who also work for Disciple Makers. We went to their house Sunday night, and we, we just needed help, you know, kind of processing, not just the pain, but the decision. Um, and I'll never forget, they, they said two things that night that just helped us. And the first thing that they said was that um, Jesus knows what it's like. Um, and they were talking about Gethsemane. You know, that, that Jesus didn't just go to the cross as if he didn't have a choice. You know, he pleaded with God. He, he pleaded with the Father, if there's another way. <laughs> um, and so just the idea that Jesus knew that he was walking towards this destruction but he didn't go with a smile on his face. Like he wrestled with that. And to know that our God knows what that feels like, that was incredibly helpful. Um, and that kind of removed the guilt as well. Like even just the, the guilt of dealing with the decision. But then as simple as this sounds, they also told us to choose what would honor the Lord. And you know, our situation was so complex and complicated. You would think it would require like complicated advice, but it was just so simple. And that just gave us something to latch onto to have confidence. Um, in addition to that, like we had a great team of specialists at Women and Babies Hospital here in Lancaster. So we knew that people, you know, had experience with our situation. Uh, and so with, those, with that, you know, wisdom and advice from our friends, we actually felt like we could make a decision. And so as we thought about honoring the Lord, 
Um, we both had kind of two different answers as to why we felt like continuing the pregnancy would honor the Lord. Jillian's perspective, and this kind of relates to what you were just saying, Justin, she, um, she said that, you know, suffering does not negate, you know, God's character and goodness. Um, and the scriptures are pretty clear that God uses suffering. And so we don't have to like run away or, or try to find the most comfortable or least amount of suffering in terms of our decision, but we can actually um, lean into it and trust that God is at work and trust that God is gonna carry us through. Uh, and that was just amazing because she was the one who, who bared the, the greater burden. She was the one who had to, had to um, deal with the, the trauma of pregnancy. And so for her to look fiercely into her suffering and say, we don't have to run from this. And what, what helped me think through the decision is this idea of, of um, God's love like his, his grace, um, that his love for us is unconditional, that no matter what we <laughs> have done, grace says, I choose you. And that's actually become um, something that I cherish. Like I hated the fact that we had a decision initially, but I'm so thankful that I get to say that I chose my son, Eli. Mm. Um, that you know, he had this condition that is a cruel and ugly condition. Um, we knew that we weren't gonna be able to take him home, that we weren't gonna be able to do the things we wanted to do, but I get to say that I chose my son. Um, and that's a reflection of God's you know, gracious choice to us. So yeah, that's how we kind of worked through the decision, but it wasn't pretty and it wasn't everyone's story. Um, and yeah, it, it was very, very difficult and painful. Just kind of talk about <clears throat> How has Eli impacted you as a husband, as a father, and, and as a Christ follower? Mm-hmm. That'll take a few hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all three of those categories, um, husband, father, and disciple. Um, I mean, I could share a lot about each of those. Um, in general, all three of those, like the, the image that's helpful for me is this idea of an eclipse. Like a, it's kind of like an illustration. Like an eclipse is when the moon blocks out the sun uh, and there's temporary darkness, but the sun is still there. Like there's still light. It's just being blocked temporarily. Um, and that's kind of been the tension with being a, a husband, a father, and a follower of Christ, that there is very real and present darkness, but that doesn't mean that the light isn't there. And so there's been joy and there's been sorrow. There's been uh, hope and there's been grief. Um, so as a husband with Jillian, um, there's been just incredible agony, but then also incredible admiration for her. Um, you know, we want what's best for our wives <laughs> and we don't want them to suffer. And you, you asked about restaurants earlier, mm -hmm. just to bring a little bit more lightheartedness. Um, I like, I struggle to pick restaurants because I don't want Jillian to be upset with whatever place we go to. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like paralyzed with little decisions like that because I don't want her to be unhappy even, right. you know, for a little bit. So to be in a position where my wife was gonna suffer and there was nothing I could do mm -hmm. about it, um, that just, that has hurt me so much. Um, you know, to see, to see the trauma and the agony on her face as she held our lifeless child. Um, there's just no words to, to express that pain, um, her pain or you know, the pain of someone who's walking alongside someone who's experiencing that. But then also there's just a, 
just a deep admiration for her. I mean, she, she, n- neither of us will say that we have been strong. Like we've been, we have felt so weak and withering throughout this whole process. But this, I, this idea of courage that isn't just a, you know, I'm gonna grit my teeth and push through. Her courage has been expressed in the way that she loves our son Eli, the way that she has lamented and grieved his loss, but also celebrated his life and, and, and really valued who he is as, as our child. Um, and that's been even just in the ways that she walked through pregnancy, um, doing special things for Eli and, and buying him, you know, outfits and um, thinking about different ways that we'll remember and honor him. Um, she has been such a, such a good mother and she is a good mom. Um, so that's, that's as a husband, how that's affected me. Um, and there's, there's more to that. But as a father, um, it's been a similar kind of tension. Um, and I don't know if you guys remember the moment when you found out, you know, you were a father. But I remember in, in May when my wife told me, it literally brought me to the floor. Like she, she said, I'm pregnant. And I, I went to the ground <laughs> because I was just overwhelmed. Like there's this, there's this identity shift that happens. Um, and all that reverence for that, that responsibility that you now have. And I've thought a lot about this, obviously, about parenting um, since that day. And the, the fact that parenting is both a noun and a verb, so it's an identity and a responsibility. And part of that I can't change. Um, and that's, that's both good and hard. Like, I, I love the fact that Eli has made me a father, and I'm so proud of him as my son. But it's also really confusing to be a childless father. Like, I, I have the identity as a dad, but I don't have the presence of a child right now. Um, and also, I've been restricted. Like, death has restricted my opportunities to be his dad, like, to actually parent him. And there's been ways that we've tried and things that I've done things that we've done together and continue to do, but, you know, it's not the traditional <laughs> uh, idea of, of fathering. Um, but, yeah, I remember thinking, Justin, I think you'll appreciate this. Like, if you know our, if you know our parents, <laughs> one thing you'll know is that they love us as their sons. Like, they are almost blinded by their pride and love for us. <laughs> <laughs> and for a while, especially when I was growing in the Lord and realizing how much of a chump I am and I was and, and how sinful I am and all the mistakes I made in high school and how readily my parents came to, to you know, have our backs and defend us. I, and I would say to a fault. Like, <laughs> they just had this unconditional love for us. And for a while, I, I almost got to the point of, like, questioning it and almost being like, why? Like, I am not worthy of this type of love that you continue to show us. And I, in reality, I just didn't get it until Eli. Like, I remember just in the first few days after choosing to continue the pregnancy, I was overwhelmed with this pride that I had for Eli. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how to, how to really articulate it other than it's just this automatic love that, that you have for your, your child. And there's nothing, nothing that he could or would do to reciprocate it. But um, yeah, I, I love Eli. And um, 
so there's there's a lot more to that in terms of of um, being impacted as a father. But I think the primary way that we have continued to love our son is in the way that we grieve, in the way that we lament, in the way that we share his story. Um, so I, I mean I've got more and all that, and I could talk about as a follower, but I don't know if I should maybe take a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we uh, we will take a break here as we prepare for part two, but just kind of before we, we head into that direction, just tell us about the name Eli and why you guys chose it. Yeah. Um, so one of the first things we decided to do in speaking of parenting is is to, to name our son. And we had already had a working list of, of names, um, but those are all names that like we just liked, but they didn't have much significance to them. Um, and so we kind of hit, you know, hit the reset button in terms of thinking through a name. And I was just kind of scrolling through the scriptures, trying to find a name that had significance and meaning. But a lot of the names in the Bible are weird <laughs> and not really like contemporary and not names that are easy to pronounce. You know, I'd find names that that's, um, just had a lot of significance behind them. Um, but, you know, people would have a hard time saying it and repeating it. And we knew that we would repeat this name for the rest of our lives. Um, and um, part, of the, part of the significance was not just our, our suffering and, and our son's condition, but um, the first time we saw him in an ultrasound and a few ultrasounds moving forward, he always had his fist raised high mm-hmm. as if he was squaring up for a fight. Um, and, and actually, like, the doctor had trouble kind of getting a look at his face um, because he just had his deuces raised, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so we nicknamed him Our Little Warrior, and so I wanted to find a name that had some sort of significance in terms of fighter. Uh, you know, like Israel was, was one option because it means wrestling with the Lord. Um, but my favorite name ended up being uh, this Hebrew name called Eleazar, which is one of David's mighty men. Uh, he was, you know, this fierce warrior and was one of David's right-hand man, men. Um, and the name means my God has helped. But, again, that's a name that, you know, people would kind of struggle to, to pronounce and especially the spelling. So that was my top pick, but I didn't think it was going to, you know, I didn't think that was going to be what we were going to call him. And in the middle of the night, Jillian woke me up and she said, what about Eli? Um, it was, you know, a shortened version of Eleazar and it, it was perfect. Like when she said that, we knew hmm. like that's that's what we're gonna name him. And um, what I what I've grown to love about his name more and more is that shortened version of Eleazar. Eli just means my God, and that's a phrase that's repeated a lot through the Psalms as a as a lament. And that's what Jesus cried out from the cross. He said, Eli, Eli, um, you know why have you forsaken me? Uh, and another cool thing that I um, that was brought to my attention is the, the Greek version of Eleazar is Lazarus. Um, and that's like the story that I've gone back to over and over again where Jesus weeps with his grieving friends. Uh, and so, yeah, we love our little warrior. We love to repeat his name, Eli. Um, and I think it's, it's amazing that it's both a cry and a lament and a, um, a sign of hope all in one. That's awesome. Well, this is probably a good good spot to to end episode 41 so um for those listening we are going to have a part two with clinton where um i think we're going to you know now that we've heard the story of eli and and talked a lot about that we're going to talk about this idea of of lamenting and and loss and and how um i think clinton jillian's story 
can can impact so many people, not just in your close circle, friends and family, but for people listening and who have suffered loss or have walked beside somebody who has suffered loss. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about part two, Justin, but mm, tune in, tune in. <laughs> Clint, thanks so much for sharing. I know it's not an easy thing to share, but like I said, I think it's going to your story and Jillian's story is going to help a ton of people. So episode 41 is brought to you by Friends of Angels. Friends of Angels exists to help grieving parents navigate the devastating journey of child loss. You can go to friendsofangelspa.org for more info. And if you're interested in signing up to be a sponsor for the Men of Iron podcast, check out menofiron.org backslash sponsor. That is it for episode 41. You can find out more about Clint and his story on Instagram. You can follow Clint at Clint D. Watkins, or you can check out his blog at frailfather.com. And stay tuned for episode 42, part two with Clint. All right, guys, we're out. It's a wrap.